Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bernstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trans, everybody. Your host here, Jason Stein. With me as always, Mr. Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing wonderful today. Today's another good day in Florida where we're happy to be and uh, sun shining brightly all the time. What's happening in your neighborhood? <laughs> Except for the middle of the day when it rains, right? Well, it's uh, only three minutes. You have to know how to do Three minutes. <laughs> well, I, I can't really uh, tease you too much about that because up here in Washington, it rains just about every day for about six months. Uh, but we do get some sunny days. Today's kind of somewhere in between, but uh, still nice. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the weather and your new scenery. And eventually, you're going to tell me that you're going to be out there hunting elk. They have elk. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is um, the kids were going to school one day a couple weeks ago, and they couldn't get a picture of it. But um, you know, my wife is very uh, excited about the wildlife. You know, being because we. We live on a mountainside. And so, you know, we got we're surrounded by forests, which is just beautiful, like you mentioned. Um, but the kids actually saw elk on our property. And uh, yeah, I'm not a hunter myself, so I wouldn't see that in my future. But one of these days, we're gonna have to get some pictures and and put them up somewhere on social media or something so uh people can see what I'm what we keep no. talking about. I'll show you the wildlife in my name, but it's usually an alligator walking across the street. Uh, hey, but They're brazen today, things, today aren't they? Today is what, part two of a session we had last time? Yeah, so cool, cool conversation that we had last time with Boris, right? Yeah, I think I, think I got a great question for you to ask him first. I, I want to ask a question, too. But you can ask him why he was born into being in tax. <laughs> is that because he looks so young? No, I'll let him tell you what the answer is. Oh, okay. Okay. This is based on a previous conversation you had. Well, perfect. Well, let's bring him on. That's a a great segue. Boris, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just glad that after my first first presentation, I got invited back. So yes, (laughs) instant success for me. Clearly wasn't enough time with you, my friend. Um, So so David, David told me I have to ask you a secret question. What... How were you born into taxes? That is, that's a million dollar question because I was born in Russia, hence my name. Uh, I live in Texas, have lived in Texas for the past almost 30 years now. Uh, but I went to school to be, uh, to be focused in a strategy. And unfortunately, when I graduated with my liberal arts economics degree, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, appetite for a 20-something year old to go advise people on the strategy. So a friend of mine asked me about joining Thomson Reuters, which uh, at a time uh, meant nothing to me because I didn't know much about tax or software development. But one of the things she said, Boris, this is your destiny since your birthday is April 15. And she was absolutely right. My destiny is taking me to a 23rd tax season now with Intuit. uh, And uh, as a product manager, couldn't have imagined my life turning into my journey in, in my career, but uh, it's went, it, it's gone full circle because now in my current role, I have to be a more strategic advisor to our teams here. And so interesting background, but 
There's one other question I have now that we know you were destined to be in tax. What does a product manager actually do? Well, it depends. If you ask my engineers, uh, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, so the role of the product manager, as Boris's definition of this, I'm sure industry has a, a slightly different take on it. I look at it as a business owner. I look at the software that I run as my business. So I have to constantly connect with my customers, understand the trends of the industry, uh, talk to my marketing partners, as well as my sales and customer success partners to understand what's working well, what's not working well, and then use all of that expertise with designers and developers on our engineering team to come up with a solution. Because a lot of time, especially in the prior, like when I first started in this industry, a customer will come in and go like, I just need client letters. And then the team goes back in the room and uh, designs the client letters the way we best know it. And then releases to a customer and the customer goes like, that, that, that is what I ask, but that's not what I expected to see. And to avoid that, there's a role of a product manager that has a much deeper understanding into the industry trends, not just our industry, but in general industry, especially technology trends, understands the intricacy of the workflow of our accountants and how that evolves, and then bring this insight to our engineering and design team so that they can iterate and create a product that well aligns with the desires of our customers and not necessarily the way that it was done 20 years ago, but how does this current solution can present a workable iteration going forward? That's pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. Absolutely I love one, it. One follow-up and then turn it over to Jason. Does a product manager have to know how to do programming? A lot of times we do. In fact, my background started as a developer. I, I, I started as a tax developer for both Thompson uh, Reuters as well as for Intuit. And that gave me a lot of the insights, not only into the tools and the processes that are available to our development team, but also understand how that translates into deliverables to our customers. A lot of times th there's got to there's be some kind of connection where you understand technology and you understand uh, marketing and you understand the customer state of mind. This sounds like pretty comprehensive. Pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm the outsider here, but it's kind of interesting. I'm looking at you with 23 years in the business, in the business. And Jason, even though you're only like uh, 30, how many years have you been in this business? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I'm, I'm newer to the profession than you are by, by at least half. Uh, but I've been around a long time myself. You know, I think, uh, Boris, I'm 98. I think you might have a year on me, maybe, or I have a year on you. Yeah, I think that's, I started in 2000. Okay, so I got two years on you. But I started off in tech support for Pro Series. Uh, even did that a little too. QuickBook support. Done so that you, too. Yeah. Both of you have like over 50 years. So you've seen the, the changes in the industry and how you made accounting. You interact with a lot of customers all the time. You've both seen how you made clients happier. Absolutely. That's the goal. Well, and so that's a that's a perfect segue. You know, Boris, you're talking talking about your role as a product manager now that we've grounded on like what does that mean, right? You're you're responsible for understanding what's going on and then helping direct the product to serve the needs of, of our profession. So let's kind of come back, you know, last episode we started talking about automation. 
And I want to dig into that a little bit more because I think that, you know, being having been around, you know, just as long as you have, I've watched us and other companies innovate uh, on the automation front. And I've seen the same thing with mistakes and it not being as accurate and delivering on that confidence. Um, get to, take us on that journey a little bit. What, what kinds of technology have we seen trying to solve this problem? And are we doing it better today? And what does the future look like? That's a million dollar question. Um, are we doing it better? Absolutely. Are we where we need to be? We have a long runway there. Uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, as uh, some of you know, uh, I love my analogies. Where I would like to take this one in terms of automation is uh, I, I consider a lot of our flagship offerings that's been around for 30, 40 years as the Cadillacs of the industry. Where I would like to see ProConnect Tax and the future of our um, technology is more of a Tesla. No, I'm not here to tell you that uh, we're going to be Tesla. I know there are pros and cons to Tesla, but where I would like to see is Tesla, unlike uh, a lot of the flagship car manufacturer, set the path on automation and evolution of the industry to the level that hasn't been seen. And that's where we are trying to take our cloud offerings in terms of creating the infrastructure for the technology integrations across multiple offerings. And I know I use a lot of big words out there. What does that mean? We're looking for automation, not only in, in respect to our offerings, where a lot of times people think of automation as this robotic task uh, solutions where you scan the forms in and then they automatically appear in your software and even more automatically get applied to your software. That's been the holy grail of automation. And I think we are evolving that holy grail beyond just uh, me as my software are going to solve all of this. There are so many different workflows that I don't think one vendor, one company can solve. And, and what I do love, and I saw this with QuickBooks for the past decade, it's becoming, everybody is becoming more of a niche solution where because of their laser focus on that niche, they can solve it so much better. And then how can platform companies like Intuit, like Thompson and uh, everyone else in the industry, how can they integrate this data flow so that we don't have to solve everything? But when when it comes to a customer, customer doesn't see those seams, gaps in between offerings and they can get that data flow across. I think that you, what you're saying, it's pretty much like the app center on Apple because I use Apple. If I need an app, I press a button. And I think you've already done that as a first with tax because you have the in PTO, you put something that hasn't been anywhere before, a book to tax. So you're connecting two different ecosystems to one. Can you explain a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, uh, so books to tax is a very common process, and and it's always been a, a gap in terms of uh, how because the departments usually are different, and so one department completes their work and they feel like okay, hands off, and then another department picks it up this work. And where we saw a big advantage for us is we know that there's a predominant number of uh, accountants who use QuickBooks. And how can we get this data from QuickBooks directly into tax to, I'm not going to say eliminate any data entry. I think that's the, that's the desired outcome. But this is all in service to never entering data. 
So we provide uh, that gap experience uh, for the accountants to figure out, okay, here's what was in my books. Here's what needs to be going to my tax. And how can we get uh, information cleanly from one to another without extracting this workflow into Excel, making these adjustments in Excel, bringing it, uh, that Excel file to the next product, importing it in, hoping that it's going to import all of this correctly and uh, having it in the right format to import this correctly. There are just so, there's so much friction. And, and that's why a lot of accountants would go like, well, instead of me following the seven easy steps, I can just enter seven or 10 uh, pieces of data directly into my product and avoid it altogether. Well, I love that you mentioned the, the QuickBooks integration piece because I, you know, that's that's one of the automations that um, that we've I think we've done a really good job of perfecting. Uh, it's been a long journey, right, <laughs> of, of importing the the books into tax, and I think that's one of the automations that you know, especially for those of you that those listening that haven't looked at that before, because yeah, everybody's likely most everybody's got likely got QuickBooks clients um, trying that out again, uh, especially with the cloud solution, and and that sort of um, that sort of spins into uh, a, a little bit, a little bit different place. And, and I want to come back to your analogy about Tesla because I think that was a good one. Not because I'm in love with Tesla or anything like that, but it, it's about the the vision. Um, and and so you talk about never enter data as the vision. And we're of course realistic that we maybe we'll never get there, and that's fine. But that vision drives us forward. As a, as a big audacious goal, right? Um, and, and how we achieve that automation and how technology, technology's role in that, I think comes in the form of a couple of things, cloud and AI. And you, you touched on AI last time as well, but I think it's really powerful when we can have solutions in place that, that learn as you do things, as you interact with the software. And I've, I've heard our our... VP of product, your your leader, more Jorge, talk about this. Um, I, I, it was, I'm trying to remember specifically what automation he was referring to. I believe it was the scan and import, uh, where you can upload your files into like our link solution, collaborate with clients, pull it down into the tax solution. And he explained something at a meeting with some customers, uh, and they all they all went, I didn't know you guys were doing that. It it actually watches. How what people are doing, and if it, if people are changing the numbers that the product drops in, then it sends a signal back to the you know the mothership, if you will, <laughs> that says, "Hey, somebody changed this." And if that happens a multitude of times, the system then says, "Okay, we need to we need to improve this," and it gets smarter and smarter as you go along. And I think the other thing that's really powerful about automation is you've talked about it the, the connection and the integrations. So one of the things that that I know we've found, and forgive me for stealing your thunder here, if, if you were planning on talking about this, but the when we can pull data directly from something, you talked about dropping it into Excel and then loading up into the tax software and hope it comes through. Every time you have to touch the data, you introduce risk. And so any time that we can just completely bypass all of that work and hook it right in is where we have found we get the best cleanest experience. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you've referred to a scan and upload, right? And I was there as part of that journey. And yes, it, it was everything in the ideal case scenario looked so perfect. 
but then it depended on was the quality of the picture that was taken was that good when you send that picture through did the did it come across good did uh, did whoever received this picture did they uploaded it in the quality format there were just so many different checkpoints and each one of those checkpoints provided the degradation to service and that's where direct connections to financial institutions, direct connections to the IRS data with the transcripts, direct connections to uh, customers. And that's one of the things that we see in the consumer world. It's actually evolving a little bit faster. Why? Because consumers can give vendors like Intuit direct access to their books, to their uh, bolts with data. And as professionals, we, we, we we have to make sure that we get to those permissions. And that's why the data when it comes to professional tax, is getting a little slower. I think the evolution is definitely getting there, but it's all in service to getting clean data. I see that with my clients. They used to give me a PDF for their broker statements. Then they gave me permission to go directly into the brokerage and pull it into the tax software. And then I got 100% accuracy as opposed to the PDF that didn't read it sometimes. So you're 100% right there. When you can pull directly from source, it makes it right. Yeah, and I love the the part about... So, sorry, I'm fumbling over my words. The, the thing that I think is also parallel to that is security and respect for the data and the compliance with the laws on how data is treated uh, is, is always something that we're... we're having to be aware of, um, you know, and I think about there's probably many still today that have like a list of their clients logins, right. <laughs> to, to some of their stuff. And I, uh, you know, like, note. right on a sticky note, like, stick, so stick it on a wall, anybody can come in and steal the information. Exactly. And it's just dangerous. So I think, um, I think, you know, the other things that I see, on your side of the house, Boris, is how we're how we're making those connections in a secure way. Do do you have any um, additional insights you could share around how we think about that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for company of our brand, you know, it's it's obviously a very critical aspect. It, it I mean, I think of us as any other financial organization, banks, and so on. Uh, that data integrity and safety of this doc, uh, documentation is the most fundamental uh, foundation for our company. And that's why a lot of times our customers would tell us, it's it's there, why can't you use it? And we are a lot more conservative in terms of making sure, understanding the scope, understanding the all the liability that is not only available for, for us, but also to the tax professionals on how can we get the most secure way of getting this information without any compromise. I'm seeing that a lot more now. Every time I sign on someplace, they want authentication. They want to send me an email or they want to send me a code to my phone just to protect the data. And that they think is pretty good. And and some of this is creating a friction. And we all know during tax season, that's the last thing anybody's wanting, you know, reset the password, validate with multi-factor authentication. And I totally get it. I'm a consumer as well. I do not enjoy those. That being said, as a product manager in, in this organization, that is one of the most critical things that we constantly have to ground ourselves is what would happen if only even one of those uh, 
aspects will uh, will be flawed, and this data is going to become available. And we we never play with security and, and data integrity. Yeah, we we just can't afford that. We can't afford it from our own, you know, intuit brand perspective. But we can't afford that to as as a risk factor to our profession and to the, I mean, to the public at large, right? Right. Uh, what is it like 60% of the nation's tax returns flow through our servers? I mean, we we've got we've got to hold security as utmost importance. And and yeah, I hear that too, that it's it can be frustrating sometimes um because of the security measures that need to be taken. But at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody kind of realizes, yeah, this is annoying, but I'm glad it's here. And what's cool is I'm seeing more and more innovation around security and the tech space at large, uh, which we can naturally apply, you know, to, to our profession. And one of the ways that that's happening is with cloud technology. I think that's, that's a good segue into, you know, why should be people be thinking about the cloud uh, in a, in a stronger way than maybe we have before? Cause we've been talking about cloud for 20 years, right? Uh, the benefits of, you know, work anywhere and that kind of stuff. We all know that, right? That's great. But there's there's deeper inherent value to cloud software. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I, I've been on this journey with you for the past 15 years now on the cloud. And, and I've heard just about every reason out there why cloud is not for me. Uh, I hear, oh, my customers will never care for this. Or oh, I don't know if I can trust this. Or I don't know about the access or, or capabilities. And if you haven't checked out any cloud offerings out there, give it another try because just like what you've seen with QBOA, um, if you started with QBOA 10 years ago uh, and you probably were on the phone call telling me how awful that product might have been based on your perception of what that product should have been 10 years ago, uh, I see a lot of those individuals went back to QBOA now at the last uh, few years because they see they see where the industry is going, and maybe we were a bit earlier on this journey, and maybe uh, we helped the industry see the upside of the cloud. And I'm seeing the same thing in the tax industry. Majority of our tax industry is still using 30, 40 year old software out there. Uh, think about your entire tech stack as a as a consumer. Uh, think about what are the other software that you're using that is 30 or 40 years old, and the, you know, they, they do come as a fundamental product. That being said, unfortunately, the growth of that product based on the platform that they were established on is somewhat limited in terms of evolving into the technology of the future. And that's another thing that cloud continues to evolve because all the complementary new solutions that are coming to the market right now are all starting with the cloud. And we can have a whole different episode of trying to figure out how to connect desktop product from 40 years old to a cloud offering that's been on the market for 40 months. Well, it's next to impossible, right? And, and that's, kind, that's kind of interesting. You know, every business that starts today pretty much is in the cloud. And that's why there's so much startup money and fintech and all these changes. And people that are invested in legacy and have a tremendous amount of clients on that legacy software have to move slowly in order to change it because they got to re-architect the whole thing. But when someone complains, you know, my clients would never want to be in the cloud, even senior citizens today are in the cloud. If they want to go to the movies, you got to go to the movies now and reserve a seat. You got to go buy your ticket online. So your 
in the cloud and your credit cards out there. So it's, you know, they can't say they're not in the cloud. Think just that little thing about buying a movie ticket today is you're in the cloud. Well, and sorry, I thought you were done. I'm going to cut you off. What I love about your point also is that it ties back nicely to some of the things that Boris was talking about way early in the first episode around the talent coming in. And that that is how new talent expects to operate. And if you're not operating that way, they lose confidence in you as a business. They think, what are you doing? You're not, you're not keeping up. And so one, I don't want to, I don't want to work for a business, forget whether or not it's a, you know, in our profession specifically, no, none of the new talent wants to work in a business where we are not looking and taking advantage of the latest trends in technology to make our lives easier, because that is exactly what technology has been doing for the last 20, 30 years is, is continuing to make things that we don't necessarily want to do easier and more seamless securely and uh, in, in an easy to access type of uh, way. Um, and so I think that's, that's really kind of important um, because it's sort of that foundational mindset that is, is what's going to propel us into the future. And so for those of you, you know, that, that are kind of looking at the cloud as sort of in your peripheral, um, you know, I'd, I'd offer that thought for you. This is, it doesn't mean take advantage of every technological solution and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it, it means, you know, putting it more seriously front and center because the cloud is is the technology that is being invested in at large in order to offer these innovations that deliver on all the benefits that that we want to see. And that's what one of the attendees uh, that's here with me said that he's acquiring new talent by showing them his workflows that are in his practice. They built a practice up to a 14-person practice, and people are taking the job with him rather than other firms because he's showing them the technology and the fact that, hey, here's my automated workflow to make your life easier so you're not doing the mundane tasks that you did in the past. So that that's, is, that's kind of interesting. Out That is absolutely brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I want you to have him on as a guest to talk about what he does. He's a CPA, practice California. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll have to dig into that. I'd love to talk to that person. And we could we could spend a whole episode talking about how um, his approach to, to acquiring talent. Yeah, well, Boris, what do you, what do you want? What do you really want to say to everyone about? Because yeah. you're really that tech guy and you're always happy. So what do you really want to say to people? Your words. My words. Uh, so I know that transitioning from one software to another is not just one software to another. It's transitioning your entire workflow from one to another. And a lot of times in our business ends up being it, very costly, right? Because the conversion, it's not always going to convert everything. Uh, you have to adjust expectations with your taxpayers because you might have to switch tools. What I usually advise people is, as much as I would like for them to come all at once, I, I believe that the best onboarding is to take a certain set of customers that maybe they're business customers and maybe they're QBOA customers and try them in, in a cloud offering and then see how it works for your practice. Uh, get, get, some, get some experience, figure out how it impacts your workflow solution in general. Because otherwise, it, it is very scary to change the entire workflow. I know I've men uh, mentioned... Uh, earlier about the automate uh, thing, comparing us to cars, right? 
And yes, my, my, I have to be in the office. And if I can't rely on my car every day to deliver me from point A to point B, I'm probably not going to be taking the risk. For the same reason, I'm not switching my laptops because I know it's going to be a painful transition from one to another. That being said, it's all about having your eye on the prize and understanding what's the upside and how do I figure out a way to get me there? And that's what I, that's what I see in terms of success and in terms of having sanity during tax season is a transitional uh, migration from one product to another. And, and, and I think, you know, you're saying it just the right way. And the thing that you put in there that most people don't realize, and you said it, is so if you're going to switch tax software, it's not just the tax software, it's the 14 other apps that you got plugged into it to make mm-hmm. the workflow move. And that's why it's a smart move to do it slowly. You said it perfect. Thank you. Yeah, well said. Yeah, the good stuff, Boris. Thanks for being on the show today, bringing your expertise and ex- vast experience. Uh, really appreciated the conversation. Absolutely. And to those of you listeners, uh, happy, happy tax season. I know we're <laughs> we, we only halfway there, and it seems like it's a marathon, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like a sprint at the end. Regardless, we're going to be extremely tired, but I certainly hope that this conversation inspired you to think outside of your existing solutions and how to take your practice to the next level. Yeah, and hopefully you get an opportunity to dabble a little bit while you're in the, the heat of things, uh, with, as long as it doesn't cause too much disruption for you, of course. But this is the time to, to try things uh, because you're, you're in the thick of it. So uh, hopefully uh, everybody listening enjoyed our time with Boris today. I know I certainly did. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.